Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy. My pleasure to welcome this podcast, Sean Bankston. Sean is the manager of the preclinical center at McGowan, and he's an expert in quality management systems. Sean, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thank you, John. Perhaps the place to start is, tell us what is quality management system. A quality management system, simply put, is a collection of processes that focus on meeting defined requirements on a consistent basis. So the purpose of any quality management system is to ensure that every time a process is performed, the same information, methods, and skills and controls are used and applied in a consistent manner that results in the end product of a process that is essentially traceable, that you can perform that process in a consistent manner. Establishing a QMS is something that's very advantageous for an academic laboratory or an organization, but there's quite a bit of investment behind that, and there's a lot of misnomers about what a quality management system really is, especially in the academic environment. What is the high point of a quality management system? Well, the high point, from my perspective, and in other areas within our institution, I'll use that as an example, is overall data integrity, positive outcomes of whatever process is being performed. There's been a move within universities to adopt quality management systems only to strengthen the overall process of study reconstruction. I would say probably over the past five to 10 years, it's become more prominent. Universities and academic systems have had, for lack of better terms, almost a lack of approach in basic research because quality management system does introduce the level of rigor that needs to be put into place to ensure that a positive outcome research activities result in a high degree of data integrity. So not only are universities starting to adopt these approaches of a quality management system, they're also starting to educate themselves on what exactly a quality management system is. And it's important to understand the processes because it's a very detailed oriented approach to data integrity. So implementing a quality management system costs money. I assume it's cost effective. It does. If applied appropriately to any system, a laboratory, or even an entire organization, it provides the opportunity to reduce the potential of redo of a specific process or an entire study. So when the practices are put into place, organizations are learning and laboratories and investigators are learning that it reduces overall cost from the aspect of having to redo a study or even in training of personnel. One of the problems that we face in universities is relatively high turnover, whether it's uh, staff or it's graduate students. When somebody leaves, if you have written processes in place, those new people coming in can adopt or at least have guidance on how they can establish a continual process that was established by the previous people in that position. So it does help reduce cost but it does take significant time investment and resource investment to implement the quality management system. So tell me the difference between GLPs and quality management. GLP really embodies a set of principles that provides a framework within a laboratory for non-clinical safety studies. Now, that's a little bit different than exploratory or basic research. 
the GLPs define how or what needs to be performed, monitored, reported, and how that data is to be protected. Where a quality management system is a little different. The GLPs being a regulation do not define how you are to achieve these requirements. They tell you what you have to have where a quality management system really defines how you're gonna meet those objectives. Now, GLPs really are a regulation and it's really about the safety data that's being presented to the FDA for regulatory decision-making where a quality management system will define how you can get to that level, but you may not need to be the level of GLP in most research environments. It's really a management decision. It's a business decision on whether or not you're going to implement a GLP program. So for academic researchers, are they exempt from FDA GLPs? No, they are not. It's well defined in the FDA GLPs that any person, and the person is defined as any organization and academic institution that submits data to the FDA for a regulatory decision making on a potential medical product must meet the requirements of GLP. So academic institutions are not exempt from that. There's some thinking out there, or at least there used to be thinking out there, that academic institutions got to pass, but they really don't. If it's safety data, non-clinical data, it has to meet the requirements of GLP. Now, there are exceptions that may be considered, but that's really has to be communicated and agreed to by the FDA prior to the conduct of any study. So the potential for some exceptions to be acceptable by the FDA has to be defined prior to conduct of the study. But in general, no, academic institutions are not exempt from the GLPs. If an academic research lab wants to be GLP compliant, how long would it take to establish this process? That's a really good question. That depends on the level of commitment and support there is for establishing a GLP program. On average, with working with my colleagues through other academic institutions, it could take up to five years before you can really establish a GLP compliant program, depending on the overall scope. Now, if it's a small laboratory and they're providing testing support, such as analysis of blood samples or whatever that might be, the time frame might be much shorter. However, for a larger organization or using the Center for Preclinical Studies here at the McGowan Institute, it's taken quite a bit of time, on average about five years to really get the processes in place that can meet the compliance requirements of the FDA GLPs. So how does one go about this? Is there a certification process? You know, that's a good question and an important question. No, not in the U.S. There is no certification process of the FDA GLPs. Now, for the OECD GLPs, Asia, Canada, Latin America, and the member countries of the OECD, they have a certification process. There's initial certification, and then every two years on average, depending on that member country requirements, they have to be recertified. But the U.S., there's no GLP certification process. It's a regulation. You either meet it or you don't. So what are the advantages of establishing a quality management system in your lab? We'll start with the GLP. What are the advantages? Well, one, as I mentioned earlier, it really is a business decision. So if there is a laboratory or an organization within an academic institution that makes that decision to become GLP compliant, right off the top, 
it attracts other business for that university. If they can maintain the rigors of the requirements of the GLP regulations, and they can provide the support necessary for an industry partner to submit their data to the FDA for non-clinical safety testing, then that could attract a lot of business. Whereas a quality management system really will support overall data integrity as well. However, it doesn't necessarily have to meet the rigorous regulation. A QMS in a laboratory system can, as we talked earlier, number one, be a cost-saving measure. It can also provide a high level of data integrity, which means complete study reconstruction. And as mentioned before, the cost-saving measure would reduce the potential for do-over of any potential study. A study reconstruction is really the idea behind a quality management system in an academic environment, whereas GLP is a regulatory and a business decision. It depends on what that organization wants to do. Whereas for GLP, it's a business decision, and that has to really be accepted and committed to by as high up in the organization as possible. Whereas a QMS can be started by an individual research lab and developing a set of procedures, processes, standard operating procedures, equipment validation and qualification can be done internally, where it really doesn't need that buy-in from high up in the organization. So, Sean, thank you for sharing this information. I'm sure it would be of interest to the various laboratory directors around the country. I assume that it takes a commitment to establish a quality management system. Is that correct? If you take on a quality management system, it has to become part of the culture to be effective. It can't be dabbled in. It has to be a fully committed approach to processes for a laboratory and how they're going to perform those processes. Even within a laboratory, as I mentioned, for a big organization, let's say the University of Pittsburgh or School of Medicine or whatever that organization component might be, it takes commitment as high up as possible, whereas a general research lab, the principal investigator can establish the requirements for following their internal quality management system to streamline the processes that they perform within that lab. And it's something that is, as I said, is very attractive to industry. John, thank you for sharing your experience and your expertise in establishing quality management systems in academic facilities. I wish you best in your future endeavors and thank our listeners for joining us. Have a good day. Thank you.